1: Hey, everyone, I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is the Daily D.C. Impeachment Watch. Every weeknight, we've got you covered with up to the minute reporting and analysis into this fast moving political saga. We are at the outset of yet another truly historic week. Indications are that the House of Representatives will vote to impeach the president of the United States this coming Wednesday. That'll be just the third time in American history that a president will have been impeached. President Nixon, of course, resigned before that could happen to him. There is much to unpack, and I've got two incredible guests to help me do just that. In a few minutes, we'll talk with CNN White House reporter Sarah Westwood. But first, I'm joined by the man behind CNN's Impeachment Watch newsletter. Zach, what's the uh, address there? People,
2: CNN.com slash impeachment. Please sign up.
1: Go there now. Sign up for Zach Wolf, CNN senior writer, his excellent daily impeachment newsletter. You will not want to miss it. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me, uh, Zach. This is, as I said, a historic week, obviously, just by the nature of an impeachment taking place of a, of a sitting president. And yet there's not much uh, surprise into uh, how this is going to play out. Um, in fact... The House vote almost seems, I don't know, a part of the past already. We're already looking ahead to the Senate trial, knowing that uh, the president's impeachment is coming. And Chuck Schumer, the Democratic leader in the Senate, uh, started sort of laying down a marker today or yesterday. He sent a letter. He wants to call witnesses. This has been a big discussion about how this is going to play out in the Senate, whether or not they're going to be witnesses, just. President Trump want witnesses. Does Mitch McConnell want witnesses? Are they on the same page? Well, Chuck Schumer, the Democratic leader, says, hey, there are witnesses we want to call. And it seems like he's throwing a brushback pitch against McConnell for saying he's in lockstep with the White House on the way a Senate trial should move forward. Here was Schumer this morning on New Day.
3: I went to Mitch McConnell two weeks ago and I said, let's negotiate. Let's sit down and try to come up with a fair process. Mitch McConnell did not come and call me and ask to do that. Instead, he first spun out his own theory of what a trial should be. And then he said, well, he's going to do just what the president wants. So this letter is an attempt to get it back in the middle, to get it to a fair and balanced trial that's appropriate.
1: Zach, what do you make of Chuck Schumer's witness list desires?
2: Yeah, this was really interesting, I think, because the, it it sort of uncovers this rift. Mitch McConnell says they're in lockstep, but there's actually somewhat, somewhat of a difference of opinion, uh, according to the, the reporting that I read between the White House uh, and in particular Donald Trump, who wants to have some witnesses. He wants to put on a, a showy defense of himself and Mitch McConnell, who feels like, you know, the politics of this are pretty baked. Let's let's do it and move on uh, as quickly as possible. So by, by getting out there and saying, let's have these witnesses, Chuck Schumer is essentially not only ex- that, But also sort of, you know, saying he, here's where we could start at and maybe as an opening bid, that's not a bad thing. If you look at the witnesses he suggested, Mick Mulvaney, uh, who essentially testified for himself when he had that press conference, basically admitting quid pro quo. Uh, John Bolton, who has all but said he really wants to testify uh, if, if he could just get a court or a, a, a federal judge to tell him to do it.
1: Um, right. I mean, those two superstar names that you just named. The the House Democrats wanted to hear from them also, uh, but they were blocked uh, from doing so, and uh, they are moving ahead uh, with impeachment without it. Some Republicans in the Senate will say the House is the appropriate place to hear from those, uh, not necessarily the Senate. But those are two folks— Bolton and Mulvaney, who do have direct knowledge of what the president was doing in this overall scheme with Ukraine,
2: yeah. And it, it, there are so many people that we really should be hearing from. You said they were blocked. I think uh, a lot of people might say, "Well, the House just didn't wait for the process to to play itself out. They didn't wait for the courts to step in." And that's what you know. You know, John Turley, the Republican witness at the House Judiciary Committee hearing, said, "You you really should just have waited for the for the, for the courts." But Democrats have been on a timeline uh, with this. They they also want to get it done. Although I I think that they would like to have uh, a trial and sort of relitigate this in front of in in front of the American people. You also have these two other uh, potential witnesses who people probably haven't heard of. Uh, Mike Duffy, he's an OMB official. Uh, Rob Blair, he's a senior advisor to Mulvaney. Personally, I would love to hear from uh, Mike Pompeo. Look
1: at this, we're getting Zach Wolf's wish list. Well, uh, yeah,
2: I mean, that. if we're going to open it up, why, <laughs> why 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 just these? For Mike Pence talked multiple times to Vladimir Z- Zelensky. He had a meeting with him, he discussed the aid with him. He talks to Trump all the time. Why can't we hear from Mike Pence?
1: Rick Perry, the former energy secretary.
2: Yeah, let's just go from there. We could, why aren't we holding these hearings? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the reality is, um, you know, if indeed Senate Republicans are looking for a speedy trial, they're not going to look to have some. Endless uh, witness list. They're going to want to move through this uh, pretty quickly. And many Republicans have made the argument to the president uh, that witnesses prolong this. You never know what you're going to get and that that may not be the best path for his defense sure last week
2: you heard him uh pre- him being President Trump a couple of several times he talked about Lindsey Graham's way of thinking he said that he had discussed this with Mitch McConnell he seemed almost to be coming around to the idea that maybe a longer trial isn't such a good idea maybe Chuck Schumer uh, bringing this up is going to reignite that debate between uh, him and Mitch McConnell I think there's also something to tr- President Trump often says he wants something that he actually does not want um, so So, you know, he he might be suggesting he wants a long trial when he really doesn't. Remember, he said he wanted to testify before Robert Mueller. He said he wanted all these people to testify before the impeachment inquiry. He actually wanted neither of
1: those things. So I said there's not much surprise in how the House vote is going to go uh, this week. But we are starting to see some of those moderate Democrats come out and state what their position is. What may be a surprise just from the way this is happening so far, and there are many who have not revealed what they're going to do yet, so we'll wait and see. But I mean, Ben McAdams of Utah just came out in favor of the articles of impeachment, going to vote for them. Alyssa Slotkin of a, a Trump district in, in Michigan has come out in favor of impeachment. Uh, this is, in fact, Jeff Van Drew, one of the opponents of impeachment on the Democrat side, He's going to become a Republican. If he does that by the time of the vote, that's that's not a uh, loss from Nancy Pelosi in terms of a Democrat. He will be a Republican at that point voting uh, against impeachment. So the surprise at the end of the day on Wednesday might be that there might be even greater unanimity among the Democratic caucus uh, for impeachment than we maybe thought going into this.
2: What's really interesting to me is that this has really shown you how important there is no room for any sort of uh, divisiveness within the parties right now. You have Van Drew uh, says he's going to oppose impeachment. He's suddenly going to not be a Democrat anymore. Justin Amash uh, said he was going to support impeachment even before, I think, Ukraine uh, was an issue. They essentially chased him out of the Republican Party. There is either uh, Republicans are for Trump. Democrats are against him. And I think that that is sort of maybe the most alarming things to a lot of people about this process. There is no room for any kind of free thinking amongst uh, politicians on this subject.
1: Zach, stay right there. We've got plenty more to discuss. Coming up right after this break, we'll be joined by Sarah Westwood, our White House reporter. Please stay with us. Welcome back to the Daily D.C. Impeachment Watch. I'm David Chalian. Zach Wolf is still with me, and we're pleased to welcome CNN White House reporter Sarah Westwood. Thanks for being here, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Sarah, there were a slew of polls that uh, came out in the last 24 hours. Uh, Fox News poll, a Marist poll, um, CBS poll. They, they all tell the same story on impeachment, which is that uh, the country is divided, but that nearly half the country is in favor of the impeachment and removal from office uh, of Donald Trump. And I am wondering, as we now record this little more than 48 hours before the vote, is this pressure, even with the knowledge that his acquittal in the Senate is assured, is this pressure of impeachment and that nearly half the country's in favor of it, is that getting to the president at all in your coverage of him?
4: Well, you know, our reporting shows that President Trump has been frustrated by the fact that he's going to be impeached uh, as much because he's doesn't want this to be a stain on his legacy, right? He doesn't want to be associated in the annals of history with the previous presidents who have been impeached. And so that weighs on him. But he's also really frustrated. And that's why we know that behind the scenes, he's been pushing for the theatrics of a televised trial in the Senate where he could have his handpicked witnesses called. So even though Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is being accused of bias toward the White House, and you and Zach got into this a little bit, he's actually advocating for something that's totally different from what President Trump has pushed for behind closed doors. And that's to have the have his metaphorical day in court in the Senate. And and he is eager to just get this over with this House vote. It's sort of a foregone conclusion at this point.
1: Of course, with that House vote comes that stain for history uh, that he will be an impeached president, the one that you says uh, gets under his skin uh, somewhat. But to your point about what the president may want In a trial in the Senate, I want you to hear our colleague John Berman this morning on New Day with Senator Schumer, the minority leader, the Democratic leader in the Senate. Listen and tell me if you think Schumer might be open here to some negotiation where some of Donald Trump's hoped for witnesses uh, would be part of a deal and perhaps show up as part of a trial. Here's Schumer and our colleague John Berman.
3: If President Trump is so. um, um, certain that he did nothing wrong. Why is he, what is he afraid of? What is he hiding when he says Mulvaney or Bolton Mm -hmm. or the other two witnesses shouldn't testify? He hasn't given a single answer other than to tweet show trial and all of this. If that doesn't answer the facts, if if the testimony from these four individuals is so important to you. And if you're
0: confident that Hunter Biden doesn't have anything to hide, why not make that trade? If you want to get these four guys and the only way the Republicans would do it is say Hunter Biden, why not make that Look, deal?
3: I hope they won't. I don't think they should. I think they know that the American people would see that as a total political distraction. You think President Trump would take that deal, Sarah?
4: You know, the White House so far has been so reluctant to participate at all in the process in the House, even though they've been given opportunities by the House Judiciary Committee because they did not want to lend an air of legitimacy to the proceedings by making these witnesses available. That's going to be harder to do in the Senate when, regardless of what happens with the trial, White House counsel Pat Cipollone is going to have to participate. So once they sort of open that door to having White House officials appearing before the committee, that might change the calculation a little bit because they can no longer avoid having to engage With the impeachment proceedings. That being said, it's hard to see the White House making those senior officials available without a court order. uh, And and that could take weeks. That could, to Trump's way of thinking, prolong this process, give his surrogates more time to be on TV defending him, give the White House more time to try to turn the tide of public opinion, which they're clearly trying to do right now. And uh, and so this could really drag out the process if this is going to have to be litigated in court.
2: You know, one of the things that I think will be most fascinating about this is that if it gets into sort of a tit for tat, my witnesses for your witnesses, each one of these could essentially be a Senate vote. And you would have, you know, people like Susan Collins, uh, Mitt Romney, Lisa Murkowski sort of thinking about individually, do I really want to vote to have Hunter Biden testify? Do I really want to vote to have the whistleblower testify. Stuff like this, I think, would be really interesting. And that would make this kind of up the drama level on this a lot. Uh, but, you know, is, does Trump essentially want to give any power at all to Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski and Mitt Romney? That That's a question I have.
4: You already sort of see Republican senators making a process argument, again, about this, not arguing on the substance or the merits of bringing Mulvaney, Bolton, Duffy and Blair in front of the Senate, but just on the idea that the Senate's role is not to fact find that that was already done in the House and that if the House wanted the testimony of these four individuals to be part of the case that they're going to present to the Senate, then they would have sought that testimony in court. That's something that House Democrats made a conscious decision not to do because they thought they had enough that evidence. So Republicans, we're not seeing them so far rebut the testimony of those witnesses because for, for any substantive reason, but because they don't see that as the Senate's role. And that's an argument that you one could envision a moderate Republican like Susan Collins falling back on without feeling like she's towing the Trump line that this is a hoax or a witch hunt.
1: You mentioned that the president's team is clearly engaged in political efforts to try and sway public opinion to their side on this uh, and not have this sort of split out there or at least take down that number who are in favor of impeachment and removal. What is also clear throughout all these polls, though, is that the president's approval rating does not budge. This has been largely true for the three years of his tenure thus far. He operates in a pretty narrow range. But even throughout this fall, from the moment the Ukraine situation became apparent to the public to where we are right now, there has really been very little fluctuation. Do Trump aides take solace in that? Is that uh, is that something they take comfort in or they are still trying to find ways to get his approval rating up to a majority level?
4: Well, certainly polling is one of the ways that some of the president's aides, particularly his political advisors, have tried to demonstrate to him that this is not necessarily going to inflict long term damage and could end up being politically beneficial to him. They are showing him that public opinion is not moving even though the House Democrats have put on all these televised trials. And that makes the task a lot more straightforward for the White House going forward, because I don't sense a lot of dread or worry that perhaps we could see some seismic shift in polling opinion. At this point, there's a sense of relief in some cases that people seem to be pretty locked into their views of the impeachment. At this point, that's no longer part of the lift for the White House. It's really just more of a of a tactical task of moving this through the Senate and getting him acquitted.
2: You know, it's interesting. The the polling kind of speaks to the lack of It's not a lack of drama. We keep saying that. I don't think that's necessarily something you want with a constitutional, you know, blow up like this. It it, it more speaks to the idea that this almost felt like a foregone conclusion. The moment that Nancy Pelosi announced that they would launch an impeachment inquiry, that was almost like she was saying, we're going to impeach him. So all of the things that happened since then have sort of been leading up to this moment where we known what's going to happen. Um, And and that sort of kind of takes some of the oxygen out of the room for all of this.
1: It does, but it it hasn't stopped the president from upping uh, the antics on his Twitter feed. That, That has been on the increase. And when he sees the headlines on Wednesday night and Thursday morning, just watch how he responds to that. He has a rally Wednesday night. It'll be very interesting to just see where his state of mind is as he faces himself in the mirror in this moment of history. Sarah, Zach, thank you so much for joining me on the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. And thanks to our listeners. We've got a new episode every weeknight. So please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcast app is. And while you're there, leave us a rating or a comment. It helps people find the show. We'll see you tomorrow.
0: When you work, you work next level